Welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast presented by BrotoFantasy.com. I'm your host, Tim Petrop, with my brothers, the only two twins that give you double that fantasy goodness, Michael and Jason Petrop. Welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast. As you've noticed, Tim isn't here. The twins aren't here. The twins are nursing a hangover from partying in Miami. Twin is being a mentor to the beautiful children of the country. Um, I'm your host today, Matt Ward, the lead writer in DOC at Brodo Fantasy Football. You can find me on Twitter at PsychWardFF. I'm joined by Femi, who has joined me before. Um, Femi, where can they find you? I'm on Twitter at GridironGreek. I'm on TikTok as well when I can be bothered to post. Uh, but that's about it. And then I'm on the Brodo uh, website and app. Good stuff. Um, we got a good show lined up for you today. We're going to talk about some of the OTA rumbling, some of the mini camp stuff. Um, but before we dive in, I got to let you know why we're here and how we're here. Uh, the podcast is brought to you by the Fantasy Football app by Brodo. It's, it's free. You can download it at the Google Play or the Apple Store. Um, it has everything that you need for fantasy football. I mean, like literally everything, fantasy player cards, true fantasy player grades, usage charts, start sit tools, player comps, consistency charts, game logs, coaching tendencies, articles. It has in-season rankings and waivers, exclusive stats for you to become your own expert at fantasy football, like true throw value, true target value, true performance value, adjusted air yards, defensive points over average. Of course, you can find the podcast here and it's free again. And the reason that it's free is because of our excellent patreons over at patreon.com uh slash broto fantasy um all of those people there they they support the show and they're you know some of the best people in the community and you can join that community by heading over to that site um and signing up you get access to the discord um which has casanova's betting algorithm in it for in-season bets that can beat vegas odds and has proven to do so last year um Again, you get access to the community, us directly for questions about your teams, about your rosters, about your dynasty rosters, if you need to ask me questions. Um, and yeah, it also helps keep the podcast, the app and everything free for everybody. So head over there, join today and become a member of the best community in fantasy football. It's that simple. My God, man, you should be reading for commercials. You should be that guy at the end. that's <laughs> like terms of, you know, things may apply. You're just yeah. rolling through everything, man. That's a lot of stuff, though. <laughs> yeah, the the only disclaimer is that it's phenomenal. <laughs> legally, it is. legally binding, phenomenal stuff. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's get right into it. Let's get right into a little bit of the NFL news and some of the talks around training camp of our favorite players and some of our disliked players as well and how they're performing before, you know, the, the season really starts to unfold, which we're only 77 days away. So it's a lot closer than you think. Um, and yeah, we're starting to get a little peak of things now, you know, full transparency is that OTA rumblings don't really necessarily transpire. Um, in season, but there are certainly some narratives to to take into play and to take note of. So we're going to get into one of the, um, a big one right now, and, and probably the newest and, and little biggest offseason news that we have recently is that Gronkowski has officially called it a career, um, and it's going to be a trend whether or not I guess these things and these news are are noise or or kind of going to hold up throughout the season. So immediately, I wonder 
right away is if this is just a way for Gronkowski to get out of training camp like he's done before <laughs> and come back, you know, one call from Brady away from coming back and being Gronkowski again for as long as he's healthy on the field. Um, but for now, it seems like he's truly done with football, which obviously leaves a pretty big void for Tampa. Um, Cameron Brait would step in as the lead tight end um, with maybe Kate Otten as a rookie seeing extra snaps. And that's pretty big news, I guess. Um, if that really does hold up, then, you know, one of the greatest tight ends of all time, arguably the greatest tight end of all time, is officially done in the NFL and, and leaves a Super Bowl contending team without a prime option after already potentially missing Chris Godwin for eight to ten weeks, which is another piece of news is that he's going to open up the season on Pup List. Yeah, I think Gronk and Brady are those two guys that we just always say when they retire, which, you know, it's a very recent development with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. People always just expect them to come back. And Brady did come back and uh, Gronk could, could definitely come back. You know, I think there's a different situation than the Andrew Luck one where people kept having hope and kept having hope and adding him to their dynasty rosters and just holding him there. Uh, but he's not coming back. Andrew Luck. Uh, you know, he, he's a smart guy, not that Brady and Gronk aren't, but you know, he understands what football does to your body. And uh, I think Gronk just doesn't care. You know, he's always injured. He was kind of like Jordan Reed is another example of a good tight end, not Gronk level, but he was always getting injured and he was good and he kept coming back. Um, But I think at this point, I think Gronk would come back for the playoffs. If that's something you're allowed to do. Like, I think he's still with the team technically if he were to come back. So if they were to just sign him for the Super Bowl run, uh, I think that's I think that's where you would you would actually see him come back and not just to skip minicamp. I think he wants to see how his body kind of, uh, you know, reacts to getting some more rest. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And, and, and again, Godwin's going to be out for half, potentially half the season. Um, so there is going to be a, a lot of Mike Evans targets, probably, um, <laughs> uh, maybe a little more Russell Gage than, than we're used to seeing. Um, but yeah, a hot sleeper and, now. yeah, uh, yeah, certainly a, a bit of spike in value too. If you, if you look at the ADP charts already, as soon, as soon as, um, that, that news announced essentially the next day he had an ADP spike. So yeah, interesting to watch. And, and I do kind of, again, I, I kind of have. A, a feeling that a lot of offseason in OTA news is just noise. And and this is certainly more news than noise, but I have a feeling, again, like maybe it's just a competition to see who can unretire quicker. Like, <laughs> I think I think Brady was 40 days, so maybe in like 36 days we're going to see Gronk back in the NFL, um, which would leave him almost essentially exactly a month before preseason started, or before opening day, actually. So... That that could be something to that that I definitely think is possible. But again, as it stands now, it looks like Gronk's retired. Yeah, I, I don't think we need to really worry about that kind of stuff. And you're right that these kinds of things, especially this early in the offseason, I mean, I know it's 77 days away, like you said, um, but there's just a lot of stuff that we're not going to know. Um, and there's just not enough of a sample size to see how these teams play. Like, for example, the Cowboys, they only had one day of minicamp. Mike McCarthy, after the first day, canceled it because the team had some sort of team building event at Top Golf, and I guess the chemistry was more important to him than getting to see the players, uh, you know, really play. So they're not going to be with each other again until July. 
So yeah, it's early. A, yeah, they've had a day together in this specific instance. And, you know, let's say we hear something like, you know, Jalen Tolbert's doing good or whatever. How much does that really mean? Okay. You know, we probably probably ran like 10 routes. Let's be honest with ourselves. Right. Um, but I think the bigger things are the holdouts because holdouts are always interesting because we've seen players actually just hold out the entire season, like Le'Veon Bell with the Steelers. Um, so I think these things actually can materialize pretty often. Um, Dalton Schultz actually did show up after skipping voluntary OTAs. Uh, he's right now on the franchise tag, but he still wants a long-term contract. So it's going to be interesting to see if he's going to end up showing up when they actually go uh, back together in July. Is he going to show up? Was that just his one day? Um, you know, he's one of the top tight ends now because the team only has CD Lamb basically, and you know, a bunch of rookies and random guys. I mean, they've got James Washington as well. Um, but I think in terms of tight ends, he's the biggest one to watch because that tight end drop off is so significant in fantasy. So if you draft this guy and he doesn't play the season, well, you just you just drafted a, a great tight end uh, who's who's not going to play now. <laughs> Right, right. I, I mean, I see where you're coming from, for sure. And I, I certainly think that Dalton Schultz deserves the the contract that's coming his way. He's had two seasons of excellent production, stayed healthy the entire time. He's young enough. Um, he kind of actually like he peaked a little early as far as like tight ends are concerned. He's only, you know, 26 years old. So there's a lot of production left in that body when you look at the historical career arcs of tight ends. Um, but holding out for the season, I, I think really isn't an option for him. And especially because of essentially what you just said, he's on that franchise tag as well. So that's a great, like that's a good contract. That's a sizable bump in, in guaranteed money. Now he doesn't have a long-term contract, but if he does it again for a third season and now he's can enter as a free agent, and other teams are upping that bid and forcing the Cowboys. So there's a business play there too. And I don't think that um, he's necessarily going to sit out an entire season, but somebody that I do think might sit out an entire season is Baker Mayfield. Like if Baker doesn't get traded, I genuinely don't think he will ever play another snap for the Cleveland Browns. I wouldn't blame him either. I want I don't want to play for the Cleveland Browns. I'm, no, that, I mean, I'm also well, <laughs> a fan, but you know, but I mean, yeah. listen, he's got his he's got his Hulu money to to fall back on. But I agree. I think he wants to be a starter somewhere. And we know the Seahawks have been kind of within the rumblings of, you know, the realm of possibilities for somewhere that he could go. Yeah, absolutely. That, that would be I, I think there, there's quite a few teams, actually, that, that Baker could kind of land in. There's, you know, Seattle, Carolina, um, Houston, even potentially. Uh, but I know that they're kind of endowed with enamored with um, Davis Mills down there. Um, so, yeah, th there are certainly a, a few spots for Baker, but I, I genuinely think is and, and you kind of said it is like, I don't blame him. Like with the way that that organization has treated him and treated even the Deshaun Watson case, which on the podcast we've touched on many times, so we're not going to dive too deeply into that, but how they've treated the entire situation and how they've treated Baker is he's kind of in a position where like they've ruined his stock for him. So he can't really lose any more value on the trade market or, or sitting out really can't hurt him that much more. And I, I don't know why he would play another snap for the Browns. But it's also interesting to note that Jacoby Brissett would be the de facto starting quarterback if Deshaun were to be suspended. And he has taken no snaps during minicamp or OTAs. 
it's all been Deshaun. Deshaun's taken Deshaun's taken every single snap. Yeah, that's that's quite interesting. Um, I know that I know you didn't want to touch on more of the Watson situation, but I know that some cases were just settled. So maybe right. they're a little more of the belief that okay, he's gonna play for at least most of the season. Maybe they don't think he's gonna get suspended. So I mean that's that's the only way that that strategy makes any sense. But also there's that kind of uh that Peyton Manning strategy. I don't know if there's an old quote of um there someone was asking, you know, why isn't the backup taking any snaps? And they pointed to Peyton Manning and they said, if he goes down, we're fucked. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't matter. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and to a certain point that like that makes sense. Um, but if you know that Deshaun is going to get suspended and uh, you would assume that one is coming. The NFL is ready to suspend him. And it's also, I've seen several times written that the NFLPA is also ready to defend him for anything over 10 games, essentially, because there's, because there's, I think there were six owners in NFL history with uh, similar cases, obviously not the amount, but similar cases. Um, None of them faced penalties of suspension. And three of them are active owners currently. Um, so, and, you know, you have the Snyder case going. So, like, players want, as weird as it sounds, and I'm, I'm certainly not condoning anything going on, but players want to be able to defend themselves against how owners are treated in the NFL. They want the same level of security and level of treatment when it comes to things off the field. And it's yeah. not unreasonable to ask for a fair ruling when owners are getting complete passes so i've seen that they're ready to fight for him and i think also like a lot of the you know him basically just taking all the snaps and and jacoby not taking any is like he's their new quarterback regardless Mm -hmm. of the suspension you at least have to be like look guys like this is our guy this is what he can do for you when he's on the field so there's under yeah there's an understanding to that but again jacoby's gonna have to take snaps he's going to have to there there's at one point or another that guy's gonna have to get on the field and he's going to have to start games because deshaun will be suspended i think he's enough of a veteran that he kind of understands the game it's just a new team for him which right i mean i don't i don't expect him to really win that many games if he's under center um I, I really don't no. see why they would have to make him take snaps, but if if he's not like throwing to anyone, if he's not on second team, that's when I'm actually concerned because it's like, you know, at least give the guy some, you know, a chance to to throw the ball to kind of get acclimated to it. You don't want him to be rusty when he comes in and then throws like three pick sixes. Well, and he's a new quarterback to the team as well, right? And yeah. and I mean, there's also kind of that backward strategy that the Browns are going to benefit heavily because they, you know, from a Deshaun suspension in a certain sense, because they don't have to pay, like that first year contract is only $1 million or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like they've already set themselves up to like take essentially no financial risk in that first year. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and I, I think there's, some, you know, some some interesting obviously approaches to how they want to build that team (laughs) they've given up a lot of draft capital which there's there's no way that those trades are going to get reversed if a suspension happens like people that think that are just crazy that would just get like that would get in an actual like contract court that would just get thrown out there's no way that that would happen um 
But an interesting quarterback battle that I think is a little more noteworthy because we know where Cleveland's quarterback situation is going to go. He's going to miss some games. Jacoby's going to have to start some, and they don't seem prepared to allow that to happen. <laughs> um, but the Steelers, your team, your boys. Uh, it, it's not a battle. Come on. Let's be real. You think who, who's your starter? Okay. Well, well, I know I do believe that Mitch Trubisky is going to start for at least yeah. week one and probably for a few games after, because this is one of the few teams that you can actually kind of pick up on their tendencies for over a certain amount of years. Right. You know, the Steelers have been that. the coach for so long. Yeah. And the Rooney family is still basically, I mean, you know, they're running that team in a similar fashion where they're promoting from within. They're not doing too many big free agency signings. And they're basically just drafting the team based on people that they like along with having talent. Um, so, you know, you go back to when Ben was drafted, he was a first round pick earlier than Kenny Pickett. And he was the third string. And I believe it was week one against the Ravens. Both quarterbacks got injured. Ben came in. They still lost. Um, but then, you know, he ended up winning, you know, his, all his 13 starts. But he was the third string. He was, he was not the starter. They had Tommy Maddox starting. And I think that that's how they're going to approach this team. Now, obviously, Maddox had experience with the Steelers. Trubisky did not. Um, but... I think that they've liked Trubisky enough and he's a veteran. So I think he's going to get the, the start behind this potentially awful offensive line. You know, maybe let him get killed and don't let your first round pick just like get Joe Theismann in the, you know, the first week of the season. <laughs> I think they're versing, yeah. I think they're versing the Bengals. They're going to get obliterated, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and man, you're, you're kind of like nailed it on the head is it is one of those teams that we've seen trends with them before. And, Pickett is actually currently, as far as the OTA and minicamp snaps, he's taken third string snaps. They actually have Mason Rudolph taking second string snaps and yeah, Trubisky, yeah, I've seen that. <laughs> Trubisky as the starter. So, I mean, and, and Matt Canada said, like, essentially, you know, I'm not going to quote him verbatim. Um, I don't have it in front of me, but Matt Canada essentially says, like, we've done this before. We have a refined process of building quarterbacks. We've done this before. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think you should project Kenny Pickett as the week one to week six starter unless there's an injury. And if there's an injury, I'm sure they're going to be like, all right, kid, let's see what you got. But Kenny Pickett is also 24 years old. And the longer, like, are you really going to let him sit for an entire season and have a 26 year old quarterback essentially in his second season? So no, I do think that they will start him at one point um, in his rookie year, but it won't be right away. Yeah. I mean, it's like Justin Herbert last year. Um, actually, I, I was talking to someone about this on Twitter and they were saying that, you know, Tyrod Taylor was in, but then his lung or whatever got punctured by that terrible team doctor, that doctor. but you know he was he I was shouldn't laugh. That's pr- <laughs> i know it's a terrible thing but it's like a weird situation uh, it is so but yeah, it's Tyra, so bizarre <laughs> i know but tyra taylor started a few games and then justin herbert came in and he killed it as a rookie i'm not saying kenny pickett's gonna do the same thing but uh, you know it's not it's not like it's unprecedented for any teams to let their yep. their rookie quarterback just sit for a little bit and then start maybe week four five six yeah, and I actually do think that the Chargers were were willing to do that in the exact same situation with a quarterback that kind of has a similar profile and play style to Mitch Trubisky in Tyrod Taylor. The Chargers were willing to let like he they rolled him out as the starter in Week One, um, so I think they were willing to let Herbert sit, and he happened to exceed well above expectations. So it isn't unprecedented for those things to happen, but it's also like players like Herbert and even Joe Burrow and his kind of like 
if you look at it from a first 16 games because he got injured in his first season rather than just his first two seasons. But if you look at it as a first 16 game size sample sort of thing, like those are kind of unprecedented um, historical rookie or early season start careers. Um, and I don't expect that from Kenny Pickett. Uh, I do expect him to be the starter. I don't know that, or I should say the starter maybe halfway through the season. I don't know that he's going to be a major upgrade f- from Trubisky. Um, but I think it's going to be a similar offense. I do think it's going to be a similar style of offense that they ran with Big Ben in the sense that it's going to be a lot of intermediate, a lot of short stuff, a lot of Najee seeing another 300 plus touches as long as he can hold up health wise. Um, and for a rookie quarterback, like it's not going to be great for fantasy purposes, um, but it might be good for his developmental purposes. Um, think of like Mac Jones and how Bill Belichick didn't really allow him to throw deep very much, but when he did, it was very accurate and very efficient. And, and it was kind of just like a very laid back offensive style. And I think the, the Steelers will run something similar that they ran last year. Um, and, and you could see both of those quarterbacks kind of thrive in that role. I do think, I do think Trubisky will throw it deep a little more. I remember when Ben was injured in, I believe it was 2019. Yeah. I mean, and you had, you there's had no Mason deep Rudolph throws from Duck Ben. Hodges. I know, but you had, you had Duck Hodges and you had Mason Rudolph throwing in. You know, that was uh, Deontay Johnson's rookie season. And I just remember seeing him. He was doing these like post routes into the end zone and they were throwing it deep to him. And he, you know, he called one at halftime to at the Jets game. I was, I saw that live. I was like lucky enough to see that live. And that's, that's where I fell in love with Deontay Johnson, you know, but, um, you know, you actually got to see what this offense kind of looks like when there's a little bit of spark to it, when it's not just dump off, dump off, dump off, terrible right. throw to Claypool. Claypool doesn't get the 50, 50 ball. And then the drive's over. Um, you know, I think they're going to try to get a little more creative, especially because Trubisky has legs. Um, but, yeah, I don't think it's going to be necessarily as bad as with Ben. I think he'll be a significant upgrade in terms of how fun the offense is. <laughs> uh, it's not going to be stalled drives every single time. And if it is, you know, and maybe a throw like a little, you know, deep ball into the end zone as he's falling down, you know, just a little, a little something for the kids to, to enjoy. Yeah, I did post, I did say that Deontay Johnson recorded a 76.9% success rate against man coverage, which is 91st percentile. Uh, He shredded zone to a tune of 88.7% success, which is 98th percentile of all time. Um, Yeah, so I'm not concerned about who the quarterback is for Deontay Johnson's ceiling from a fantasy purposes. For people that are concerned about, you know, all the OTA rumblings and the the Trubisky over Pickett or Pickett over Trubisky, it... I really don't think it matters. That guy earns targets. That's what, like, he's always open. It's not that hard to understand that it's not just a product of Big Ben checking down a lot. He earns targets because he's constantly fucking open. (laughs) Speaking of an aging quarterback, actually, (laughs) Matt Ryan on the Colts, OTAs has apparently taken over the offense. Uh, is is the offensive coordinator he's he's the new head coach of the team frank Reich is giving matt ryan the ultimate leash and apparently ryan is looking phenomenal and the colts really think that they have an mvp mvp caliber matt ryan on their roster from six to eight years ago and i know if tim was here he would be wanting to punch me through the screen because he absolutely (laughs) despises matt ryan but this is what the colts think that they have and they're they're really entrusting this veteran receiver to give them a significant upgrade they were one game away from making the playoffs last season so obviously they're not like 
and they're bringing in the same defense with some upgrades from the draft as well. Their offensive line, we all know, is absolutely stacked. They have Jonathan Taylor. They have good backup running backs, Naheem Hines. Their receiving core is a little weak, but Michael Pittman made a gigantic leap. Um, so how do you feel about Matt Ryan leading the Colts as the field general and in kind of a mini coach mode for the 2022 season? I always kind of thought of this as like a lateral move. You know, when I see Carson Wentz play, and when I see Matt Ryan play, I, I feel like I'm just waiting for an interception to happen. You know, I do think Matt Ryan is significantly, you know, more experienced, obviously, has more years under him. He's made it to the Super Bowl, whereas Carson Wentz technically won a ring. Uh, but he, you know, he was having a great season that year. Um, but, you know, like, I think the late, late career Matt Ryan is basically Carson Wentz, except maybe not as fast. Um, like when I've been watching Matt Ryan, especially because I've had him in my fantasy teams for so long, it's basically the end of this, the end of the games will be that they're down like 14 points or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he'll drive down to the 50, maybe the 40 and then incompletion, 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 fourth down pick six or whatever, some bullshit like that. And that's basically He's what a, I saw from, from Carson Wentz last season. He is a historically like terrible red zone quarterback, Matt Ryan. Um, uh, and, and you know what? I also think that there was a game script that you just laid out that I don't think is going to happen as often, which is those late fourth quarter garbage time drives where at least you're getting yards from him because yes, he's playing the Colts on the are better defense. Ab- absolutely. Than the Falcons. So it's going to be a lower volume role. And I'm not a Matt Ryan truther. But for all of them out there that are, you know, think it's a significant quarterback upgrade, it's a slight efficiency upgrade, but the volume is going to remain the same. They didn't change their offense. They brought in an efficiency upgrade. Yeah. And you've got, you got Paris Campbell back now, who I know has played like maybe three games in his career so (laughs) far, but I'm kind of excited to see what he can do with Matt Ryan. Now, I don't think that that receiving group is that terrible. You know, I think people have been hyping up Michael Pittman past where I, where I like, you know, I, I, I liked him last year when everyone hated him, you know, when everyone started to hate him and I was like, no, no, this guy's, this guy's still good. But now everyone's like, oh, he's, he's going to be like the, the fifth best wide receiver in the league now. I'm like, no, I mean, you know, it could be, but, but it's still, it's still a very good receiving group. You've got um, some big tight ends. You got Mo Ali Cox, you've got Jelani Woods who probably won't star much, but you know, he's a rookie. We both like. Yep. Jonathan Taylor yeah. will catch, catch passes like he did last year. Alec Pierce as well is getting some positive OTA talk, but that's kind of a, you know, I, I don't think Alec Pierce is the type of prospect that's going to come in and put up 80 catches and 800 yards in his first year, especially on an, a, a lower volume offense like that. But but there are some positive rumblings around him. Um, there's also a rookie receiver in OTAs that have essentially no positive rumblings around him. And that's Traylon Burks from the Tennessee Titans. And even his coaches have like kind of backpedaled on talking him up or, or kind of being positive about the situation. Um, and that situation is, is his conditioning. Uh, he has issues with asthma apparently, um, but they've kind of made it seem like it's a little bit more than that, that he just wasn't ready. Like he wasn't physically prepared for OTAs. And that could also explain why we saw him with such incredible like GPS score numbers, um, mile per hour on the field, like his speed score numbers 
um, on film, but he didn't test that well at combine is he might've taken like the entire collegiate off season off and he's just doesn't appear to be ready. Um, and especially after being talked up as this physical freak and this guy that can do kind of it all in a, you know, and I know this is the the meme, but do it all in a Debo Samuel-esque role as a huge yards after the catch guy can take jet sweeps, can go deep, can, you know, just be an athletic freak on the field. I do think that is a little more news than noise, um, even though we're only in June, because now there is going to be a bigger break before full training camps kick off. He's going to be away from the tr- team again. And that's not like, it's also not a massive window to be able to just become this in great condition. Um, it's something that, you know, you have to maintain and it appears that he hasn't been maintaining that. So for the Titans, I think that actually spells bad news. <laughs> um, Robert Woods, Kyle Phillips, Nick Westbrook and Kine, th- those are the top receiving options. Derrick Henry's coming off of a foot injury. They're going to feed him as much as they possibly can, but Burks was supposed to step in and be AJ Brown. They wanted that AJ Brown, even as a rookie, they wanted that level of production, AJ Brown's rookie year. And I don't know if they're going to get that. Is Am I mistaken in saying Austin Hooper is on the team? Yes. And another, uh, that was kind of a, a next OTA little, little tiny note ah, is okay. that Tannehill loves Hooper. <laughs> yeah. I was yeah, going to say, that, I think that, that opens loves the Hooper. door for, for Robert Woods and Austin Hooper, even though it is going to still be probably quite a low uh, volume offense like he usually is. Uh, but that's concerning. Right. They gave up AJ Brown and they got a player who might be significantly worse because AJ Brown's a great player. Um, it's just they didn't want to pay him the money because that's not how they they're not going to be using him that much. Right. Yeah, there's another wide receiver that needs to get paid or, or wants to get paid that a team kind of has been holding back on um, making an offer for. And, and that's Terry McLaurin with the commanders. Um, that's certainly some news that's coming out of OTAs that it, there's been another holdout like you were talking about. And that's kind of some of the more important news that I feel as well. So. Yeah, I mean, maybe Terry McLaurin's days are, are numbered in Washington, but I would certainly like to see him get paid wherever he goes because he's been a phenomenal receiver. That's one of those guys that's just like, you know, you always kind of say like, just get him a quarterback. Like, look at all of the things that he does and in, in kind of the, the ceiling that he's shown with minimal talent around him. Yeah, it's almost like a DJ Moore situation where you know that this is a great wide receiver, uh, but right. he's in probably a worse situation than DJ Moore because I think the Panthers genuinely want to be a good team. I have no reason to believe that Washington wants to get better. And, you know, with Dan Snyder and all his legal battles that he's facing, um, you know, there's allegations of covering up sexual misconduct. I think he's going to be subpoenaed by Congress. Uh, This is just like a mess of a team as it always has been. And I don't blame Terry for one wanting his money and two wanting to get off of this team, right? Because you're not, you're not going to win a championship, you know, Larry Fitzgerald didn't win a championship. The Cardinals have been a historically bad franchise, not legally as as the as Washington has been. But but you see how many great wide receivers just kind of get stuck on these teams. And at some point you have to say, I'm worth more than this, and I have to get out. And like you said, he's been a very good wide receiver for you know the three years that he's played. You know, as a rookie, he had 900 yards, seven touchdowns, and he's had over a thousand yards each of the past two seasons with basically no quarterback. It's almost like a DeAndre Hopkins situation where you see the talent, you see it on the field. You know that he's the one getting the ball every single time because no one else on the team is catching a ball. The next best receiver is catching like 400 yards for this season. Yep. Yep. So I understand why 
wide receivers like this want to get paid what and you know it's like especially if, with the the way that the market is, sorry to cut you off for there but like just with the way that the market has shown too and how these even older receivers are getting paid this insane amount of money and, and you see mike williams contract as a top mm -hmm. 10 receiver and like has terry mclaurin not produced similar numbers and is younger than mike williams so yeah like I, I can completely understand that that side and that could be a holdout worth watching for sure yeah i i think a lot of players need a new change of scenery and i think we're going to start to see more and more of that and it's been a crazy couple of off seasons watching you know especially the quarterbacks change positions and there's another one you know maybe not the biggest news but maybe there's gonna be a swap for baker and jimmy g that's what we've been hearing that could be happening very soon yeah i mean days are numbered is is another another good way to lead into this is as far as san francisco's like beat reporters are concerned uh, and i mean shanahan and, and and john lynch have backpedaled on the question as much as possible and, and said, you know, that, yeah, we'll find a home for him and, and this and that. But the beat reporters don't even think that Jimmy G is going to be on the 53 man roster when the season comes. So that that seems inevitable that some sort of trade is going to happen. Um, and that seems the same way with Baker as well, is that some trade is going to happen. And no, they're not the biggest names, um, but there's some quarterback needy teams that could, you know, especially when you think of, uh, you know, potential rookie starters that aren't ready to take it on their first year um no we're not going to see washington get it sam howell um he's going to be behind wentz but carolina i think is a, is a good example for either one of those quarterbacks with they're both a sam darnold upgrade carolina wants to win games they want to capitalize on the cmc era they have draft capital in the next few drafts but didn't have any this year um matt corral could could be an answer but likely is not but that would give him at least a longer leash to develop so those are some things that I definitely think are going to transpire before kickoff happens in, in week one in September. Um, there's going to be some quarterback movement. And let's get into that. Let, let's talk about some some free agent trades or, or some free agents, some trades, some, some movement, some transactions that's going to help us in fantasy. Um, some new life, some new blood, some new scenery for some for players that could actually upgrade our rosters could upgrade their adp their their seasonal finish um yeah what are some signings or, or some trades that you want to see specifically for fantasy purposes well i think there's one that everyone has been waiting for and that's for melvin gordon to get out of denver to help javante williams now it's not looking like it's going to happen this year it's mm -hmm. i mean it's definitely not going to i believe he just re-signed a one-year contract with them um but I guess it's not out of the realm of possibilities for him to get traded. He probably won't. But if this were my my fantasy land, I would put Melvin Gordon on the Houston Texans. I know that's not a great situation for him, but he'll probably get like 300 touches, to be honest. They're going to run him into the ground. <laughs> We've seen that. I believe they got um, Mark Ingram 1,000 yards a couple years back. Um, so I think that kind of will help both players become – more viable. It, it gives Javante Williams a little bit of a break. Um, and it's a team that's not going to, you know, you're not going to see another running back really falter because of that. You know, if you put them on the Patriots, you know, people like Damian Harris, people like the rookies or Ramondre Stevenson, they have their pick. If you like a Texans running back outside of maybe the rookie, you're out of your mind. Yeah. Pier Pierce, Pier people that like Pierce are, are screaming through their screens at you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think that's, I think that's a good 
fit for everybody. I mean, especially from a fantasy perspective, you're going to see a higher volume floor from Javante. You're going to see Melvin Gordon sustain probably more production. And he had a pretty good season last year, even though he's getting up there in age, he would certainly be the lead back in Houston. I think that's a pretty good answer. Um, I'll give you mine. My my first one's actually a free agent signing. And, and I think this is just more fun necessarily than realistic. And we haven't even heard anybody um, have meetings with this guy necessarily. Um, but after the Gronkowski retirement, um, knowing that Godwin's going to enter the season on the physically unable to perform list, I want to see Julio Jones sign with Tampa Bay. I want to see <laughs> just just this team of of aged all pros dominate the NFL. I, th- I thought you were about to steal one of mine for a second, but then I remembered you said free agent. Um, and I do think Julio is a bit of an interesting choice. Uh, I'm not sure if that would like even work because I think he's going to get, he's, he's like very old at this point. Right. Man, you get him on that TV 12 <laughs> treatment. You're going to get, you're going to, you got an, uh, an Antonio Brown resurgence in Tampa Bay. Oh, uh, you know that Godwin's not there. Russell Gage isn't the answer. Like I said, <laughs> And I mean, yeah, Julio absolutely fell off the face of the earth um, once he was traded to Tennessee. And I mean, even before that, he didn't have like the best closeout to or you know, um, to his production in Atlanta. So, yeah, it is certainly I, I would just love to see a career resurgence from a 32, 33 year old Julio Jones win a Super Bowl with a 50 year old Tom Brady and a 35 year old Leonard Fournette. And I know I'm using exaggerated numbers here, but I just think that's a phenomenal, fun thing. And and especially from a redraft perspective, like, I mean, being able to flex Julio Jones as like a Larry Fitzgerald, like you know, I'm 35 and still dominating. Like I, I love the feel of that. And I think that's just a, a win-win for everybody. Absolutely. He could be a very good bench player for you. Um, you know, we saw, yeah, like you said, Larry Fitzgerald and then staying with the Cardinals, AJ Green had a pretty decent season for himself. Right. It's Hey, AJ Green was essentially out of the league and then was a top 36 <laughs> wide receiver for the Cardinals last season. So let's get it, man. Yeah. Julio Jones, to Tampa Bay. Yeah. I don't, I don't think the talent ever, ever completely goes away it's just yeah i don't think he's going to be a bona fide stud again but he'll it's, probably that's, have his that's fair to say that's fair to say you're, yeah, you're ruining my, you're ruining my hope but <laughs> i don't think I'm, I'm i'm making anything uh you know saying anything crazy here when i say that but i'm uh, sticking with tampa bay i actually have the answer because yours is wrong by the way i'm sorry Julio Jones <laughs> is not the answer there's a man all right, all right hit me there's a man who will become a free agent in a couple of years but he is stuck in a situation that he does not deserve. And that is tight end Janu Smith to the Tampa wow. Bay Buccaneers. I actually However, love that. They would never trade a good player to Brady. They would never do that. Right. And I don't think they would ever ask of that from Bill Belichick. Uh, he would probably spit in their face. This is but, fantasy land, though. We we control Bill's course. mind I'm, in this situation. I'm, I'm being selfish here. I want Janu Smith because he was supposed to be the sleeper tight end just a couple of years back and he had a decent season, yep. but he's been on two teams. Now the Titans and the Patriots where they're not passing enough for him. And even when they do, they're not passing to him. So you had the, you had Ryan Tannehill on the, on the Titans. And, you know, as he was developing, then he started to throw more and more passes as AJ Brown got better. Um, but he was never really getting that much. He, he was getting 400 yards at his peak. Uh, he had eight touchdowns in 2020, which is fine. Um, But then with the Patriots this year, he played 16 games. He had 45 targets. He was 
well behind Hunter Henry. He was getting less targets than Brandon Bolden and Nelson Aguilar. Um, and he was not getting red zone work. You know, he had about 10 red zone targets. He had one touchdown in the season. Now you're going to a team that needs a tight end, that needs a wide receiver, and he can do whichever one, you know, he's going to be on the field running routes. Um, and it's not like they were using him as like an effective blocker in on the, on right. the Patriots. He's not that great of a blocker, you know, especially compared to Hunter Henry, who's also not anything special, but he's probably slightly better at, at pass blocking and run blocking. Um, you know, the Bucks threw the most passes in the league last season. Part of that, obviously, because they had great targets to throw to, like Chris Godwin, like Gronk, and like Antonio Brown. I don't expect them to throw these same amount of passes. But for like the first six, seven weeks of the season, and maybe beyond that, give him Johnny Smith. This big guy, pretty good athlete. I mean, let's be honest. I think he's better than Cameron Braid. Uh, yeah, that's. Which is funny that we we did touch on the Gronk retirement and literally yeah. didn't mention Cameron Braid. There was a reason for that, folks. Yeah, you're not interested. <laughs> <laughs> I, he was good uh, for like two seasons a decade ago. You know, uh, he's had some sp- spike weeks. Sure, um, he's definitely put up like decent efficiency numbers but that's kind of i'm not saying easy it's the nfl but like efficiency gets skewed when you're seeing such low volume and it's only like touchdowns essentially and i mean yes tight ends in general are touchdown dependent but like all of those efficiency metrics are relative to his touchdown rates and like those don't stick uh especially when you increase volume so yeah camera braid's not somebody that i'm even targeting in redraft leagues like maybe a late best ball dart throw mm-hmm. um but i think the bucks are essentially just gonna stop throwing to the tight end <laughs> they still have a incredible depth chart with godwin healthy um so and people sleep on rashad white is arguably the best pass catching back on the roster and we saw how many targets Lenny got last year and Lenny's still going to reprise a, a great role as well. So, but I, but I do like that trade to round it out is I do think that they need a big tight end that can put his head down after the catch and run through dudes. And Gronk was still doing that despite, you know, dealing with back injuries and, and his declining health um, was still a good, like that was essentially his role uh, over the middle. And Johnu could, could fill that for sure for them. It's not like they were using Gronk the way that they used Gronk in New England. They were using yeah. Gronk to be a specific role for his skill set now. Um, he's also just a freak of nature. So you just yeah. give him the ball and he's going he's gonna to push down seven guys and good, it's get true. a touchdown. Man, I, I miss Gronk already and we don't even know if he's actually retired yet. <laughs> I, I don't miss him. He was torching my Steelers. Um. But there's a we touched on this kind of with a bit of the quarterbacks, but the trade that I want to see is, is not a is not necessarily I think a fan favorite one. Um, I think it's the most likely scenario. So before I start getting crazy with some of my later transactions that we're going to talk about here, for fantasy purposes and the receivers that I like, I want to see Baker Mayfield traded to Seattle, and I think that Seattle has essentially put themselves in a position where they're not even ready for drafting a rookie quarterback next year. They drafted a running back with their first pick of the draft. Um, They still kind of 
I mean, Ken Walker's hamstring is injured. So like they still don't know what they have even from a training camp perspective with that prospect. Um, they don't know how they're going to utilize him in the offense. In college, he was a two down back, essentially um, not a great pass blocker. So it doesn't see much third down work. And people are like, well, that's why he didn't get pass catches. But it's like, yeah, well, you don't get pass catching opportunities if you're not good enough to be in there on third down. Um, so, you know, from an analytic and film perspective, that's not a great thing. Um, so I want to see Baker Mayfield there because the two weapons that are still going to see the majority of work in the offense is going to have to be funneled through is Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. And I like both of those receivers from an efficiency, from a value perspective, especially with the non-quarterback situation driving their value down in Dynasty and redraft best ball. I, I certainly enjoy the value that you can get on those guys, Tyler Lockett in the 10th round, DK in the 5th. Like that, that's pretty excellent value for guys that have shown incredible production with Geno Smith at quarterback last year. Um, so Baker Mayfield, I think is an upgrade from Drew Locke and from Geno Smith. And I think that kind of keeps that offense in a position where you get to see what you have with a younger quarterback. He's on the last year of a fifth, um, of a rookie deal. So you can pick up his fifth year option if the trade goes through. And yeah, I mean, I think Baker Mayfield to Seattle is the best scenario for that team to actually build a functional offense for the future as well, because drafting a rookie, if they imagine, okay, if Seattle is the very last place team and they get the first overall pick and they draft a rookie quarterback, well, now you're in a three-year window and have a running back that you just spent a second round draft pick on, (laughs) you know, like they've built the team to attempt to kind of compete with a slow paced but high functioning offense. And they do just don't have a quarterback to do that with. And I think Baker would obviously with the way that he was treated in Cleveland and with the way that that offense went last year, I think Baker would be a viable QB two for Superflex leagues in Seattle. Yeah. I think DK Metcalf is being, you know, drafted very late given that this offense is still going to throw to him. I just don't see why they would want Baker Mayfield over Drew Locke, because I feel like you've kind of seen what Baker Mayfield can do. And you're right. He is a very solid quarterback and, you know, he could probably win a few games for them. Um, But, but you're right. They, they don't have the pieces in place yet. They've got like these very select, like young, young studs, like DK Metcalf, like Jamal Adams, like Charles Cross, um, who they just drafted. So I think that they've got like these like little cornerstones that they're trying to build off of. But I do think that they should just kind of let Drew Locke swag out for a little bit or whatever he does his little his little <laughs> dances after you know his third touchdown of the season you know um but i guess i guess it doesn't hurt it doesn't really hurt to get to give him to give dk metcalf and tyler lockett a guy like baker mayfield just to at least have the team be you know watchable in a sense because you you want to have fans you want to functional yeah you don't want right. to lose fans by having drew lock and geno smith like wins you know like two games combined. So I kind of get it. I don't think it's going to be very popular. Like you said, just because it's not that fun of a trade is very boring, but it, yeah, it's almost like a Sam Darnold situation, but obviously he's better than Darnold. Um, where I think it's just an upgrade all around. Like everybody yeah. sees, you know, Baker gets a better situation. You could then use him as a fantasy asset again, which obviously right now he has zero value. Essentially, um, you don't know if he's going to play another NFL snap because he's not going to play for the team that he's on. Um, and you know, Gino and, and Locke 
like certainly aren't the answers and I'm not saying that Baker is but I'm saying that it gives you a wider window of opportunity a wide more choices like that fifth year option is there so wow, wow Baker just balled out we have him for now we have him for an extension we don't have to use our first round pick on a rookie quarterback that we don't know how will perform because even the highest prospects at, at the quarterback position we've seen the NFL just doesn't know how to scout them and it's been x amount of years and it seems like they're never going to really figure that position out because it has an infinite amount of nuances behind it and you can only decipher so much about what goes on between the ears in interviews so it really does come down to how a guy can mentally grasp the game while connecting all of his physical attributes that you can see on film or that you can quantify in, in athletic testing. Um, that's a longer topic for a different day, <laughs> but yeah, I think that's a, that's a good trade. I think that's a good trade that works out for everybody. And it obviously gives us fantasy upgrades at the players that we like. Speaking of, you know, this is almost a reverse of yours. Instead of giving a quarterback to a team that needs one, I'm giving a wide receiver to a team that needs one. Um, I don't think this trade would happen because the wide receiver that's playing next to him is holding out right now. Uh, but I want Brandon Ayuk to go to the Green Bay Packers. Oh man, I love you so much. That would make me so happy. <laughs> the only the only problem is Devo Samuel wants to be paid. They don't want to pay him as much as you know he's basically sort of worth. Um, but I feel like Ayuk basically got, you know, shoved to the side last season. I get why you have this phenomenal player who can run, mm -hmm. who can catch the ball. And you've also got George Kittle there, but I feel like this ends up benefiting everyone as well. Yeah. First of all, you give the Packers their wide receiver one. Brandon Ayuk is almost, he's a little smaller than Devonte Adams, but he's like a, it's a specimen too. He's like, you know, and his reception perception was like off the chart as a rookie. It's, I That's was going why to reference wanted it. wanted him last year. It's so incredible. And, and to put up those, and I understand people are going to point to the, the splits in and out of injuries that he had with his rookie season, but like reception perception kind of removes those variables, meaning like it didn't matter what defensive matchup he had during that season. He was succeeding in every route that he ran. And he also had, um, I know that these are kind of different situations because Devonte Adams was getting larger volume and he was also facing better cornerbacks, but their fantasy points per target are basically identical. Ayuk had two Adams had 2.04. Um, and then it also kind of helps in San Francisco because you want George Kittle to get back into that upper, upper echelon of tight ends talent wise. He's there, but when you have Debo and Ayuk there, he's not going to get those Kelsey level targets, those Andrews level targets, right? He's going to be certainly capable of it. Yeah. He's going to be a very good tight end one when he, you know, if he's healthy, obviously, but he's not going to be getting that like 17, 18 points per game. He'll probably be like 14, 15. And when you're looking at where you're going to draft him, it's probably too big of a difference to really justify it in redraft all the time in dynasty. Of course you still want him. And he's like basically at his peak right now. So it helps him. It helps Debo to, you know, keep getting those targets and get, you know, basically force them to pay him because they need a wide receiver there along with Kittle. And then you get the Packers, a wide receiver, one who's going to thrive. You get Aaron Rodgers a little bit of a bump in value. And then, you know, you kind of help out the rest of the team because they're not facing that number one uh, cornerback. You know, you got, you got rookies there and then a bunch of schmucks. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think that might be, that was something that I, 
overlooked. Uh, Ayuk's one of my favorite players, <laughs> and I didn't have him on this little like trade transaction list for fantasy purposes. I think that might be the best one that we're going to mention today. That legitimately, and and yes, money's a situation that obviously is going to stop these trades, but we're in fantasy land, people. We do what we want. <laughs> um, but Ayuk to the Packers would benefit every party involved you're going to see a target funnel to Debo that turns him into the wide receiver that he wants to be because he doesn't like that wide back role um he wants to be oh alpha wide receiver put me in the passing game I'm tired of running the ball um you're going to see Kittle get funneled targets everywhere else um obviously he would have to maintain health we know that about Kittle but his target share had been down um with those other options and yeah and and Shanahan had Ayuk in the doghouse and once he kind of let him out we saw again like this guy just gets targets man 10 targets eight targets six targets nine targets like in in a very low volume passing offense with Jimmy G under the helm like that that's a high percentage of of you know 24 pass attempts um so I refuse to believe that Ayuk's rookie season was an aberration because I am a big reception perception guy and I'm a big efficiency metric guy and I know there's a big pushback that efficiency metrics don't stick but good players efficiency metrics do stick that's you know kind of the rub to that so if I believe that this player is good then that efficiency should hold up better than other prospects other players so man that, that sorry I was just enamored with that trait I just want to bring up a little fact by the way in the 2020 draft Ayuk was drafted the pick before the Packers took Jordan Love. And I believe that that San Francisco traded up uh, like two spots or something to get him. That's a rough one. I think they literally like swapped spots to get him. And everyone was like, what are they doing? Uh, But yeah, let let him have the, you know, where he deserves to have. Let him rectify that. Well, then you know what? I'm actually going to give you one of my hotter ones and I was I was saving this for last and I know it's it's your <laughs> your turn here but <laughs> quickly I want to say a rectified trade that I would like to see to go back to the Seahawks a little bit is the Patriots go and get DK Metcalf to fix that Nikhil Harry over DK Metcalf <laughs> trap pick. <laughs> We, and, I do, and, do... and, and from a fantasy perspective, I don't know how much that really helps anybody, but I would love to see DK kind of get out of Seattle when they're in a weird rebuilding, not ready to compete situation. The Patriots obviously need a wide receiver one. There's no way that that wouldn't benefit Mac Jones from a fantasy perspective. So people that are enamored with his, you know, sophomore bump that we like to talk about with uh, rookie quarterbacks getting better in their second year. So you can throw out bad rookie quarterback seasons. If Mac Jones meets a sophomore bump, then having a DK level guy is going to obviously increase that. Um, that would be the most positive for fantasy. But in reality, I just think that's super spicy for Belichick to make a balls to the wall trade where he unloads an insane amount of draft capital to get the guy that he passed up on. I, I think we should just do a podcast fixing bad uh, Patriots. Draft <laughs> well, yeah, the Patriots wide receivers history is, is already bad enough. I think we could just do a whole podcast on that. Uh, Bill yeah. Belichick. <laughs> drafts like seven foot tall you know walmart employees and they they put up like seven thousand yards in a season somehow so i don't think he deserves dk metcalf he can do whatever he wants over there you know yeah bill belichick the coach phenomenal bill belichick the gm not great bob (laughs) and they still win games you know (laughs) yeah such a great coach and i mean maybe that's like maybe he does it on purpose to prove how good of a coach he is he's like he's like let me just reach on this sixth round graded player put him in the first round and i'll still win nine games cole strange yeah i I wasn't 
you know, no, no slights to Cole. He's a friend of the brand. No, I know. But, but obviously people weren't very happy with, with yeah, that selection. It, they, they, they saw it absolutely. as a reach, but Hey, a lot of reaches end up being the better players towards the end of the drafts. You see like, Oh, this guy was a value. And then he doesn't do anything. Yeah. So another trade that you want to see or transaction free agents are still available. Um, that's going to benefit your fantasy roster. I think it was actually your turn because uh, you were just rectifying uh, the Patriots because <laughs> I went with well, uh, my, my I've got, Ayuk one. I've got one left really. And um, it's similar um, to my, to my DK Metcalf. So it's the same perspectives of why is Seattle holding on to a 28 year old wide receiver getting paid a max contract. I want to see Tyler Lockett on the bills. Wow. Yeah, Tyler. Imagine having to defend Tyler Lockett and Stefan Diggs with Jamison Crowder in the slot, because we know Crowder's going to play in the slot. And traditionally, over the last few years, the Bills have used the slot role as kind of their number two wide receiver. It's not the guy on the outside. It's the guy that plays in the slot that sees the second amount of targets from the wide receiver room. And they don't really have anybody on that roster that is a... Tyler Lockett caliber player. That's the word I was looking for. Um, people are enamored with Gabe Davis, sure, but he has a 10.9 career percent target share and he's played 38 games. Um, right around game 40 in your career, shout out to Casanova, is when like target percentage starts to stick, uh, meaning you can project essentially that target percentage throughout the rest of that player's career. So for the first, let's say, even give him a little wider window and say the first six to eight games of the season, Gabe Davis has to see a 28%, 25% target share alongside Stefan Diggs, that's not going to happen. It just won't. And if you look at the career target shares of the Bills roster, Jamison Crowder has a leads everybody with 19.5% career target share, and nobody else on the roster is over 11.5%. So Knox comes in second with 11.3% or 11.36% of uh, the Bills targets throughout his career. And that's basically it. Like, it's just a drop-off after that. Um, so the Bills would be able to utilize Tyler Lockett in, in the waning years of his career, um, certainly give him massive amounts of production as well, I believe. Week in and week out, he's going to maintain that kind of volatile boomer bust role. But, you know, 36 points, 40 points, we know that Lockett can hit that ceiling. And I think being on the Bills would give him a little bit of a safer floor as well, especially compared to Seattle, obviously. Yeah, they're absolutely a team that needs a wide receiver too. I know some people, like you said, are enamored with Gabriel Davis, the second coming of Jerry Rice, or whatever people want to, you know, call him. Uh, but that's an interesting stat that you brought up. We're about forty games into your season. That's when you basically uh, forty games into your career. That's basically where you know. Um, and yeah, I think I think we've seen Gabriel Davis. I think we're going to see good games out of him. It's not like he's a terrible player. No, he's um, an NFL player. Yeah, he's a good receiver. That's yeah. not, but he is is Gabriel. People are really giving him like an alpha projection, like he can split targets with Davis, and that's not going to happen. That's why I think a player like Tar Tyler Lockett, who doesn't need a above twenty five percent target share to be a phenomenal fantasy asset, is a great fit for that offense. And again, it's not something that I even think they can afford, but. I would love to see that for my teams because I have quite a bit of locket and I'm kind of worried about how I can return value as a dynasty manager at this point in his career. He's going to need a production spike for me to do so. So this would help me out greatly. 
Yeah, if Baker Mayfield doesn't go there, then no, Josh Allen helps too. Yeah. He's also pretty good. Same yeah, Josh Allen's class, not bad. You know. <laughs> yeah, he, he was also in that draft class. He went a little later, you know, whatever. Uh, I mean, why, why doesn't Will Fuller go there then? I know you have the Tyler Lockett shares, but Will Fuller, you could go there too. I like, I would like, so I, I, in my little free agent notes about free agent transactions, it says Will Fuller to anywhere. I just want to see Will Fuller play football. And I, I think Will Fuller can put up similar boomer bust numbers wherever he goes. Obviously not on a super crowded room where he's not getting to see field time because of coaching decisions, but imagine Will Fuller to Chicago, uh, to the Packers. And I know people are going to hate on Justin Fields, say there's not going to be enough volume if he's going to be a great rusher or he's not efficient enough passer to support two wide receivers. Um, but Anywhere that Fuller goes where he's the one or the two is great for fantasy purposes. Will Fuller, when healthy, is an effective fantasy player. So to see him healthy enough to play football games again at still a young age is excellent. It's excellent for everybody. I think he would be best suited for the for the Saints, honestly. Because you you want a guy who's going to come in and take, you know, we don't, we don't know how Michael Thomas is going to be. And then you got Chris Olave, the rookie. So you probably got a good amount of games where he could be the wide receiver one or two. And I think it was like Kenny Stills. That was basically just like always that deep thread guy for like four or five games. You probably know better than me. Yep. That's just kind of how I envision Will Fuller on the Saints. <laughs> just like have Jameis chuck it deep to him. And then you have Olave, you know, a little, you know, on the sideline or something. Uh, and Michael Thomas, if he's healthy, he's just, he's a stud. Yeah. I mean, I've been on record saying that I, I mean, it's looking like, this particular little prediction won't come true, but I've been on record saying I don't even know if Michael Thomas will play another snap for the Saints. Um, I certainly don't think he's going to be super effective. Dennis Allen's first move as a head coach was essentially trading three first-round draft picks worth of value for Chris Olave. So if they don't like that kid and want to force-feed him targets, then I don't understand <laughs> what they were doing. And then Jarv- Jarvis Landry is there as well. And Jarvis Landry is oh, kind true. of like empty light um in the sense of like you're gonna see just a bunch of slants and intermediate Mm -hmm. targets um and he can do great things with it um but to kind of coincide with your decision is they have always had that one deep guy they had brandon cooks they've done the same thing with deontay harris um so will fuller there is kind of a role for that and will fuller would fit that And, and it's been something on their offense that they've utilized sparingly but they've utilized throughout almost every year, but now Sean Payton isn't there and Dennis Allen is writing a new playbook. So it's going to be interesting to see how they allocate targets and how they actually run that offense. I do think, especially if Kamara is healthy and avoids suspension, um, I do think they're going to run the ball a lot and Kamara is not really a between the tackles runner. So I'm not sure that's going to be like of the best (laughs) success, but I think that's going to be their focus. Mm -hmm. Can I ask, are you, are you hoping for anything out of Adam Troutman at this point? Yeah, still. I, I mean, I am. I, and I liked him as a prospect before he ever got drafted. So when he got drafted to my team, I thought that was great. But he comes from like essentially Juco level competition. Um, and he was the highest draft pick like ever from that level of competition. So there's his college stats are great. He had a good profile. He tested well athletically. Um, but at a certain point, you're no longer holding out to a prospect profile. And you just know that this guy isn't really NFL caliber. Um, He did start earning a bit of targets toward the end of the season, but I think that's a bit of an aberration uh, with everybody being hurt on that offense, like literally everybody um, when that, when they closed out. So yeah, uh, um, holding out hope 
is definitely the right word. <laughs> that's that, that's definitely the right uh, way to look at it. But expecting much, not really. Um, and you know, because I'm a dynasty-minded guy, if you can get any sort of return on Adam Troutman at this point, I think I would do it. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Do you, you got one more? Do you have one more for the people? Uh, I I don't have one that like I've put enough research into that I want to talk about. It's just random guys to random teams. I don't think it's worth bringing up. It's just, <laughs> I'll probably post them all to Twitter at some point, just dream situations. All right. Well, follow Themi at Gridiron Greek to find out some more of his dream transactions. Um, you can follow me at PsychWardFF and check us out both creating content for Broto Fantasy at BrotoFantasy.com on the Broto Fantasy app, which is brought to you by the lovely Patreons over at Patreon slash Broto Fantasy. Uh, make sure you sign up, join the community, get in the Discord, have chats with us like this one. Um, become a part of the best community in fantasy football. Keep the app on for free. Keep the lights on, the podcast running. And yeah, thanks to all those people for the support. And thanks for tuning in, everyone. Thanks, guys.